This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning and welcome everybody. I want to thank you for being with us this morning. I just want to thank you for taking the time to be here. And if you're watching live, it's fabulous. We're looking forward to the time that we're going to spend together. It's going to be good. It's going to be profitable. I've got a very exciting message for you this morning. The other thing that I want to do is I just want to thank you at the outset for your support. Um, Things might be different, but in many ways, they're still the same. And so we look forward to that. I want to speak to you this morning, um, first of all, from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Everybody, if you've been at Living Faith for a period of time, knows this verse. Malachi 3, 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, so that there might be food in my house. And prove me now, says the Lord, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there isn't room enough for you to contain it. Before you think you know what I'm going to say, you really don't. (laughs) It's an old scripture testament. Uh, And so the thing about the Old Testament is that Jesus never came to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. So it's important for us to have a look at, first of all, what's being said in the Old Testament is God is sitting saying to Israel, if you honor the law and if you stand with the law, if you do what is right with the law, you'll bring your tithes into the storehouse. And the result of that is that I will open the windows of heaven and I will bless you. But that's Old, scripture, that's old Testament. In the New Testament, we have a new covenant established on better promises. We have a new covenant established on on grace and if you were to take that scripture and you were to put it through the cross the way that i would interpret it would be this because you are established in a good god who loves you so very much god blesses you and god cares for you god loves you and god is there for you in times of crisis in times of need and it doesn't matter what circumstances or situations look like god is available and god is accessible and god is revealing who he is god is good And you're going to experience his goodness in many different dimensions. And because of his goodness and because you're blessed, because you live in abundance and because you live in the fruitfulness of everything that grace has provided for you, we approach him with a grateful heart and we sit and say, Father, I just want to thank you for your blessings in my life. I want to thank you for your goodness. And as a result of that, as an extension of my gratitude, Father, I take the things that you've given to me and I offer them up to you as a sacrifice a way of me expressing my gratitude and my thankfulness for all that you're doing in my life, everything that you have done and everything that you're going to do. And I just want to thank you for that. You know, in the Old Testament, they had a disadvantage to us because God never lived inside of them. And because God never lived inside of them, God had to open up the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing on them. But because we live under the new covenant and under the new testament, what ends up happening is Jesus provided an opportunity so that we weren't only made new, but we have an indwelling. The spirit came and he lives on the inside of us. The kingdom is within you and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What God's saying is because you love me, because you recognize my place in your life, because you honor that and because you come to me with gratitude and you express it to me in the way that you give into the storehouse, what's going to end up happening is you put yourself at a place where you're realizing the fullness of my blessing and the foundation that establishes who you are is going to be that foundation which is going to pour forth rivers of living water into your family, into your circumstances, into your bank account, into your body. It's going to come from the inside and affect the world around you. I want you to see that the reason God says you bring your offering is not to get the blessing. The reason you bring the offering is so that there's food in the house. 
The reason you bring your offering is so that there's food in the house. You're investing in the house because you're saying, Father, I want to thank you for family. I want to thank you because I'm part of that family, Father. You've taken me and you've grown me. You've opened up new dimensions where I'm able to see you in ways that I've never seen you before. You've revealed parts to who you are and you've established a more solid foundation on the inside of me. And as an an extension of my gratitude for that, I invest in my family. I invest in the house. Not only because I'm going to continue to grow in that, but I want there to be food in the house so that people who have never come to the place where I am, people who have never come to an understanding of who you are and how good you are, have the opportunity to do that. Your investment into the house is all about sitting saying, I value who you are. And not only do I want to grow in that, but I want it to be available and accessible to people outside. Bringing all the ties into the storehouse. I think they're going to put up for you an opportunity right now so that you know how to give online. Um, if you want, you can go to our website and there are opportunities there or you can just mail in a check. But I want to thank you, Father, for your goodness. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you've introduced us and given us an opportunity to step into a covenant of grace. And I want to thank you as a result of that. Each and every person is getting established in the fullness of who you are. And as we live from that place, I want to thank you that it brings about change and transformation in us. It introduces us to living waters coming, on the, coming outside of us that affect and influence not only who we are, but affect our world. We bless you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I am very excited about the message that I have for you this morning because I want to speak to you about something that I've titled Breakthrough is Discovered in Crisis. Breakthrough is Discovered in Crisis. I want to read for you from Mark chapter 4 and I'm going to start reading from verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat onto the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? We're living in interesting times. We're living in tumultuous times. Things are happening and things are moving at quite a rapid pace. And the thing is, it puts us into a place where we recognize that we're basically in a storm. Things happen when you're in a storm. The problem with storms is that there is such a sense of instability as a result of it. Waves are crashing, wind is howling, things are happening all around us. And if there's one thing that people are looking for in a storm is they're looking for a sense of, a sense of stability and they're looking to be grounded and rooted. People want a lifeline and people are looking for the opportunity to know that I can see the storm through. I want to know that I can get to the other side. The thing about storms is that it makes you realize how temporal and how everything around about us is subject to change. There is only one consistent in a storm, and that's God. The thing about God is he says to us, I'm going to make a promise to you. I want you to know me as the God who is the same yesterday, the same who is today, and the same who is tomorrow. The God who met you and the God who was with you in times where you never even recognized him. The God who was with you when you went through those breaks ups and those heartaches and the God who brought you to the place of stability. The God who was with you through car accidents and delivered you and brought you to a place of safety. The God who was with you is still the same God who's with you today. And the God who 
who's with you today is the same God who's going to be with you tomorrow. He's taking you places. It doesn't matter what the storm looks like. It doesn't matter how the wind howls. It doesn't matter how the waves rage. It doesn't matter what people have to say. It doesn't matter about the news media or inflated ideas about everything. It doesn't matter that the stock market's up one day and down the next and through the floorboards on the following. What God says is, I want you to be rooted and grounded in me because I am the same yesterday, today, and I will be the same tomorrow. The only place where you can get your life grounded and the only place that you're going to feel secure in the storm is as long as you are grounded in him. Outside of him, you are subject to change. Subject to change. So we want to get grounded in God. We want to find ourselves at a place where we feel stable. We feel strong. We feel as though we planted in a rock, no matter what is happening around about us. The thing about change is, and the thing about storms in particular, is that people are always looking to get definition from it. We want to know why. We're looking for reasons. There's something about us that's always wanting to explore things so that we get to the place where we understand why. Sometimes we don't always get to realize exactly why things happen the way that they do. But it's okay to look. The problem with it is this. When we start getting to the place where we allow our understanding of the storm and the circumstances and the situations to begin to infiltrate and to move to the place where they begin to contaminate our concept of God, that's where it gets dangerous. People do that with regularity. People look at things and they're like, well, I don't understand why this is happening. Why is God allowing this? What they're doing is they're allowing secondhand information to give them a definition as to who God is. They're looking at the storm. They're looking at the situation and they're sitting saying, if that's what's happening out there, the storm is telling me God is like this. The storm is telling me this is how I can trust God. The storm is telling me this is who God is in the situation. Don't rely on secondhand information to get an idea and a concept of who God is. It's never going to get you to a place of stability. It's going to lie to you. The only way that you get to find out who God is and what God is all about is when you get into his word. He's given you his word. When you get hold of the Holy Spirit and the two of you sit down and you begin to go through the word of God, it starts to give you an understanding. It begins to reveal to you who he is and what he's all about. That's how you get to define God. The most important place that you can get to when you're in a storm is a clear definition and an understanding of who God is. You have to get to that place. If you don't know who God is, you're going to remain vulnerable. Anytime you live at a place where you don't know who God is, you remain, you remain susceptible to the influence of the environment round about you. Your condition does not determine God's status. Your condition is going to change. Things are going to happen. Things are going to look different. And they may be a little bit glamorous one day and they may be in the tank the next. It doesn't matter what your circumstances or your situation looks like. You need to be grounded in the fact that anything that happens around about me doesn't change the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Our circumstances and our situations have no influence on who God is. It has no influence on who God is. It's important for us in these situations to begin to get to a place where we recognize the Bible says to us, count it all joy when you go through diverse trials and temptations. It's easy to celebrate that idea when you're sitting in church. 
It's easy to say, I really love that, and that sounds like a really good truth to me. It's when you're in the storm that you're not so sure about it. It's when the waves are beating about and everything's happening around about you that you start to sit and think, why is it that it's such a good thing to go through trials and temptations? And I'll tell you why. Because there are things that you can discover in trials and temptations that you will never discover anywhere else. When your life is going well and everything is comfortable, when you're sitting back in your lazy boy and you're enjoying God, you don't need to place a demand on who God is. Things are easy and you can sit and know God in the comfort of where you are. It's when life is tough and when things are being pressurized in your life, where the demands that are being placed on you, that suddenly you begin to realize, I need to know more about who God is than when I was just sitting watching television. I need to get to a place where I know who he is. You don't get to know God, the one who's the all-sufficient one, if you don't sit in crisis. You don't need, you don't get to know God, the one who delivers you, if you're not in crisis. You don't get to know God, the one who heals you, when you're not in crisis. There are times in our life where God sits and says, crisis is going to happen. But crisis is an opportunity for you to discover who I am, because I am the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you start to discover the rock and you start to get established on the rock, it puts you at a place where you feel comfortable, where you feel as though you can deal with the situation, where you can deal with tomorrow because he is with me and I'm established and I'm grounded in that. The most important truth that we can come to and the most important place that we need to come to when we're in the eye of the storm is this. God is good. And more important then God is good at a very personal level. God is good to me all of the time. God is good to me all of the time. When you can get established in that truth, God is good to me all of the time, it'll set you up to realize your inheritance and you'll walk into breakthrough. Until you can get to that place, it's going to seem like an illusion. It's something that's difficult to grab a hold of and it's something that's difficult to work in, walk into. God can do things in your life out of his mercy. And God wants to do stuff like that. But his preference is that we live out of a solid, established relationship with who he is. He wants us to realize the inheritance that's due to us. And he wants us to walk into breakthrough in our circumstances and in our situations. Psalm chapter 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. The Lord is good. It's not talking about what he does. It's talking about who he is. The Lord is good. It's giving you a definition as to what his nature is. It's talking about who he is. He is good all of the time. He loves you and he's good to you all of the time. Not for any other reason, but he can't help it. It's his nature. Fish swim because they swim all of the time. It's their nature. Birds fly because it's their nature. God is good because it's his nature. God is love and God is good. That's just what he is all of the time. Taste 
and see that the Lord of good. Taste is engaging. It's talking about getting to the place where we take of his nature and we're able to participate in part of his nature. And as a result of encountering that nature, it walks us into an experience where we sit and say, I know the goodness of God because I've been there. I know the goodness of God because I've experienced it in my life. It's not some concept that sits out there. It's an experiential reality. It's an encounter that I have with God. We're on an ongoing basis. I'm living from a foundation where I know that the greater one lives on the inside of me. And he's always looking for opportunities to express his goodness and his love and his greatness to me. And every front, God is looking for that. Blessed is the man who trusts in this. Why are you blessed? What he's saying is when we move to a place where we start to develop an understanding of an appreciation that the foundation of our life is based on God's goodness and his love for me. And I recognize the fact that his nature is alive on the inside of me and it's looking for every crack and every opportunity, every time it can to come out and experience and and reveal itself in my life. I come to the place where I realize things can't go badly for me. I might be in circumstances and I might be in situations that I can't understand. And maybe I'm sitting there and I don't realize why this is happening or that's happening. Maybe the waters are really murky and things are difficult to understand. And maybe the only thing that I can hold on to is the goodness of God. You have enough. You have more than enough. Because if you can hold on to the goodness of God, you're holding on to the same The one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You grab a hold of that and it doesn't matter what's happening around about you. You hold on to the rock and you stay stable. Because you know what? At the end of everything, you will come out. At the end of everything, things will be better. At the end of the day, no matter what it looks like right at the moment, I want to tell you, God's goodness is going to reveal itself and you'll walk to that place and you'll sit and say, it may look like mayhem all around me, but I want to thank you, Father, for your provision. I want to thank you for your healing. I want to thank you for, sec- for your security. I want to thank you for your protection because God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. When God led Israel out of the bondages of Egypt, he moved them into the freedom. But God's expectation was, I took you out of where you were, I took you out of bondage, and I delivered you into freedom. The reason I put you into freedom was I wanted you to discover who I was. I wanted you to discover my goodness. I wanted you to discover that I was a God of love. I wanted you to discover my nature. That's what he did. He did the same with every one of us. All of us were once slaves to sin. But the moment you got born again, he said, I'm taking you out of bondage and I'm putting you into freedom. He gave us freedom for a reason. The reason that he introduced us to freedom is I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know my goodness. I want you to get to know my loving kindness. I want you to get an appreciation and an understanding of who I am. Because when you allow that to come in and you allow that to become the foundation of which you live life, everything changes. We have the responsibility to discover him. He took us out and he put us into freedom, but he's given us the responsibility. You go and discover who I am. You got to go and discover who I am. Israel had a problem. They had a challenge because they knew their heritage, but they didn't know their God. They knew their heritage, but they didn't know their God. That's like a lot of Christians nowadays. 
There are a lot of people who've been brought up in a Christian culture. There are a lot of people who've been brought up in a Christian home. There are a lot of people who've been brought up in the church. There are a lot of people who've been brought up with a heritage where they've had influence about God. They have a heritage which they understand, but they don't have a God that they know. We don't have a God that we know. We don't have a God that we have a personal relationship with. And the problem with it is that we're holding on to heritage to give a definition to who God is. And our heritage is not always accurate. Our heritage is not always true. Our heritage is not always based in truth. And so it puts us in a dangerous place. Every time that Israel walked out and they walked through the wilderness, God was there to meet them. At every point of need, God was there to meet them. When they got to the Red Sea and they turned around and they said, what are we supposed to do now? God had an answer. When they said, you know, we only have the clothes on our back and the sandals on our shoes, on our feet. God said, I have an answer. When they said, we're hungry. God said, don't worry about it. I've got an answer. When they said, we're thirsty. God said, don't worry about it. I've got an answer. Every time they needed direction, God said, don't worry about it. I've got an answer. Why? Because at every point of need, God met them. Because he was looking for every opportunity to sit and say to them, I want you to know me as the God who is more than enough. I want you to know me as the God who is good all the time. He was looking for every opportunity to sit and say to people, I want you to be established in the fact that you know a God who is good to you all of the time. All of the time. But Israel had a problem. And Israel's problem was their unbelief. Israel's problem was their unbelief. We don't always understand what unbelief is and there are a lot of Um, different ideas about unbelief. Let me tell you what unbelief is. Unbelief is not the absence of belief. Unbelief is not having a shortage of belief. Unbelief is believing the wrong thing. That's what unbelief is. Belief is believing the wrong thing. When Israel came out of Egypt, they believed in God. They just believed the wrong thing about God. That was the problem. They believed in God, but what they believed about God was not correct. They believed that God was there to punish them. And as a result of that, when they walked out of Egypt and they walked through the promised land, every time they came to a challenge, what is the first thing they said? Moses, Moses, why is it God has taken us and brought us in the wilderness to this place to let us die here? It would have been so much better if we had just stayed in Egypt in bondage. They were caught in unbelief. Their concept of God was God was the one who was always going to punish them. And God met them at that point of need all the time because God was trying to get them to a place where they would step from their unbelief and their idea of who God was and they would move to a place where they understand who God really is. Because God could have done stuff in their life if they realized and they moved to that point of working together with God. Their concept of God, because it was outside of truth, left them at a place that was vulnerable and it cost them. Because their unbelief stopped them from walking into their inheritance. Their unbelief meant that they were never able to realize the promised land and all that God had for available to them. If you have a look at um, Hebrews Chapter 3 and verse 16, I'll read right at the end. And it says they were not able to 
uh, from verse 16 to 19. And it says that they were not able to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. They were not able to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. What are you believing about God today? What are you believing about God today? You see, we can be rooted and grounded in unbelief. And it doesn't matter what God does in our life. We're intransigent about moving outside of that concept. We're, outside, we're intransigent about moving outside of our unbelief into the fact that God is a good God. He wants to meet us and he wants to do stuff in our life. The problem with it is, is that we're working against, against God's grace in our life so we don't step into the promises. We're working against what God wants to do in our life so we don't walk into our inheritance. We working against what God wants to do in our life so we never see breakthrough. Grace is God's ability. It's his influence in my heart and in my life. God's influence in my heart and in my life. God's influence, God's ability to be able to touch and change and affect my heart and at the same time have influence in my life. That's the way that he works. The problem is this. God is sitting saying, you know what? I need for you to understand. I want to introduce you to Jesus, the healer. The problem is that I'm stuck in an unbelief that says healing passed away. So my belief set is fighting against his grace. His grace wants to introduce me to blessing. His grace wants to introduce me to breakthrough. The problem is that my belief system is fighting against his grace. God is sitting saying, I am the God who's more than enough. And he's wanting to introduce it into our lives. The problem with it is we sit and say, but I serve a God who's punishing me because I've done some bad stuff. And so I don't want to receive his goodness because I'm really bad and I deserve it. And God is teaching me a lesson. My unbelief is working against God's grace. God's wanting to do some stuff in our life, but there are too many Christians that are, are sacrificing their inheritance as a result of the fact that they're living from unbelief. I'm living from a belief system that is grounded and rooted outside of the truth of who God is. God is good to me all of the time. God is good to me all of the time. And so they never entered the promised land. They never entered the promised land. Mark chapter 4. Jesus is crossing over. And they're in a little boat. And a storm comes up. And the winds are blowing. And the storm is howling. And the waves are big. And the disciples go up to Jesus. He's fast asleep. And they say to Jesus, 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 don't you care that we're perishing? And he gets up out of the boat. And he quiets the storm and he goes back to them and he says, your problem is you have no faith. You have no faith. How did he know that they had no faith? Jesus walked here as a man. Jesus walked on earth as a man. He never walked here as God. How did he know? Because he listened to the words that came out of their mouth. He listened to the words that came out of their mouth. Don't you care that we are perishing? What is it saying? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When they said, don't you care, what came out of their mouth is what they truly believed. Which was, God, you know, you don't care for us. Because you don't care for us, what it was said to Jesus was, you're stuck in unbelief. 
You're stuck in a belief system that is not true of who God is. Because if you knew God and you knew that he was good all of the time, you would have sat there and said, you know what? I can stand here and it doesn't matter what happens around about me. I want you to know that God is with me and God is good all of the time. And I have Jesus in the boat. We're going to see it through. We're getting to the other side. Because what it revealed about them was the fact that the foundation of their life was grounded and rooted in something which was a concept of God which is not true. He doesn't care for me. He doesn't care for me. You see, when we start to talk about foundations, it becomes interesting. Because when you start to talk about foundations, you can't talk about foundations without talking about faith. Because faith is the substance. Faith is the foundation. Faith is the substrata. What it's saying is this. Galatians Um, 11 verse 1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen it's talking about the foundation of our life it's talking about that place that Jesus was talking about when he was talking to the disciples and he said you have no faith what is he saying he's saying I've seen your faith I've seen what constitutes the foundation of your life and it is outside of what the nature of God is about and because of that you can't have faith Because if it was grounded and rooted in his goodness, if it was founded and established in the fact that he is love and that he is good to me all of the time, and if that constituted the foundation of your life, you would realize the fact that you could walk into so much more. The challenge that we have as people is is not the fact that God is not able to do things. It's whether we have the confidence that he'll do it for me. Everybody knows that God can do anything. Nobody really wonders about his ability. The question really becomes, will you do it for me? That becomes a question. And it gets down to what is your belief? Anytime we don't believe that we, he will do it for me, we are stuck in a place of unbelief. We are stuck in a place where what we're believing is outside of the context of what God's design is for my life. And it moves me to a place where I have no faith. I have no faith. It becomes really important for us because in Galatians 5 verse 6, it says love, uh, faith works by love. Faith works by love. I never understood that for the longest time. It seemed really strange to me because I had this concept that faith was my responsibility. I needed to take and I needed to grab hold of faith. I needed to build up my faith. I needed to build up my strength. I saw it as a weapon of my warfare. But if you go and have a look at faith, faith is not a weapon. Faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. What it's saying is when you are grounded and you are rooted in the love of God, it doesn't matter what's happening around about me. It's okay. Whatever arrows may come my way. I'll tell you what, I got a shield that can fight against it because I'm grounded and I'm rooted and it doesn't matter because it's going to work out at the end. I don't know how, I don't know why, it's not my responsibility to get there, but the one who is good to me is good all the time. And goodness all the time is going to take me from where I am to where I need to be. I'm going to be so much better off. Why? Because I have the shield of faith. Because I have a foundation that's established on the inside of me that says I don't have to understand to be convinced and to be fully persuaded that the greater one on the inside of me is good to me all the time. He's good to me all the time. Why does he heal you? Because he's good to you all the time. He doesn't heal you because you followed a recipe. He doesn't provide for you because you started speaking to your bank account. I believe in healing. I believe in confession. But it depends where it comes from. 
If you're not grounded and you're not rooted, you don't have an, a, a foundation that's God is good to me all of the time. It puts me at a place where I'm not able to stand up in confidence and speak from my heart and sit and say, bank account, I want to thank you that you're full. It doesn't put me at a place where I can sit and say, you know what? Virus, it doesn't matter what you look like. I live in a state of health and well-being. It depends where your confession comes from. It depends where it comes from. Being established and grounded. 1 Timothy chapter 6 speaks about fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. What does fighting the good fight of faith really mean? I used to think fighting the good fight of faith was all about me assuming responsibility to go out and war and, and fight against the enemy. That was my responsibility. But if we start to change our paradigm and we begin to understand God's concept of what faith is all about, we begin to realize that fighting the good fight of faith isn't me thinking that I can do things on my own. Fighting the fight of faith is myself getting my, to a place where I am established in the finished work of Christ. I sit and say, you know what? Everything that Jesus has done for me, everything that he's made available to me as a result of his death and resurrection, I want that to become the very foundation of my life. That needs to become the substance of who I am and everything that I live from. And when that begins to constitute and that begins to define the foundation of my life, all of a sudden, that is the place that I sit and I fight from. I fight from a place of comfort. I come from a, I fight from a place of rest where I know and I'm, I'm absolutely grounded in the fact that the greater one on the inside of me is there to fulfill the promise that he is good and he is good all the time. Jesus won the battle. There is no battle left to fight. He doesn't need you to fight the battle with your faith. What he needs you to do is he needs you to come to a place where you sit and say, Jesus, I want to thank you. I've never really realized everything that you've done and everything you've made available to me. But I'm so excited because I'm not looking at what's happening in my world around about me right now, but I'm getting involved with the Holy Spirit and reading about how fantastic you are. And the more I read about you and the more excited I get about you, the more I'm getting the foundation of my life established in the goodness of who you are. And when I live from that place, I just want to thank you that things happen. Things happen. Jesus was so persuaded of it that he spoke to us. And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, let me read it to you. Repent and believe in the gospel. Actually, I didn't need to read that. <laughs> it was a whopping all four words. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. We have a weird idea of repentance. We think repentance is when I sin, I have to go back to God and I have to look for repentance. But that's not what repentance means. If you look in the Strong's Concordance, when it speaks about repentance, it's talking about changing your mind. It's changing your thinking. It's changing your thinking. Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. In essence, this is what he's saying. He's saying, when you get a new foundation to your life that is established on the good news, the result will be it's going to give birth to new thinking, 
new emotions, and a new life. When you get your life established on the good news, it's going to give birth to new thinking, new emotions, and a new life. When we let go of unbelief and those inherited ideas that we have and those ideas that we've accumulated over time that are contrary to who God is and what his nature is all about. When we let go of those things and we step into everything that he is and everything that he stands for. When we stand in belief and not unbelief, what happens is every time I step into a new area of belief in my life, I allow that truth to begin to inform my thinking and my emotions and my life. The God who's more than enough. The God who will be there. The God who's your security. The God who's your healer. The God who's your provider. The God is the all-sufficient one. Everything that you can imagine him to be, he is and he's looking for, to be for you today. The biggest challenge that we have as Christians is we don't want to repent. We don't repent. We live with our preconceived ideas about who God is. We allow circumstances to define who we think God is. We allow our history to define who we think God is. We allow our denominations to define who God is. And we sit there at a place where we ill-define God and it's not based on truth. And so our thinking remains the same. Our emotions remain the same. And we never walk into fullness of life. We never walk into fullness of life. God loves you all the time. He is looking for opportunities to meet you where you are. The invitation that he extends to you today is this. Get grounded and get established in who he is. Get to that place where you let go of your preconceptions of who he is and let the Holy Spirit introduce you to truth. Every time the Holy Spirit introduces you to truth, what he's doing is he's establishing the foundation of your life. He's introduced getting rid of all of the gunk. He's getting cleaning the clogs the, the and the drains and the, everything else that needs to be cleaned down there. And he's getting established on the inside of you a true perspective and a clear perspective of who God is so you can see him as the good God that he is. As he opens up areas and avenues of your life, he's getting you to a place where your foundation is strong and established in who he is and what his nature is. He's talking about your faith. Faith is a noun. And when you live from that place, things begin to happen in our lives. Things begin to happen in our lives. I want you to know something right now. The good God, the God who's more than enough, the God who is wanting to bless you, the God who wants to be good for you, to you, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is with you today. Everything that he's done for you before, you can celebrate. But I want you to know he's with you today and he's going to be with you tomorrow. Enjoy that. Get established on the rock. Don't allow other things to define the way you see your situations because you'll begin to slip. Move back to the rock. Get grounded and established on a solid belief system. Let go of unbelief and get your life built on the rock. You'll see yourself through the storm and it'll move you to a better place. Breakthrough comes as a result of truth. And truth is really what needs to define who God is. Things might be difficult right now. And there might be a lot going on in your life. There may be a whole bunch of stuff that's happening in your environment. And some people are in more uh, precarious environments than others. I think of healthcare workers and people like that. I want you to know something. 
When you go into any room, into any environment, any time you meet with any person, you need to know that the one who is good and is always good to you goes with you. You need to walk into those places with confidence. And I can give you this reassurance. Because he is good, he will take you through to the other side. Stop looking at situations. Stop looking at circumstances. Stop listening to what everybody has to say. Stop looking at all of of the news and everybody's ideas about Facebook and the pandemonium that's going on. Be responsible. We have a responsibility to do that. God says to us we're to steward our lives. So be responsible. But at the same time as being responsible, we never step out of responsibility and let it slip into fear. There's a big difference between responsibility and fear. You stay grounded in the fact that the greater one lives inside of you. Father, I just want to thank you for every person that is watching today. I want to thank you, Father, that your love just touches them and overflows them and just absolutely saturates them right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, for every person that is looking to get established in the, in the solidness and the knowledge that you are with them. I want to thank you that as they spend the time with you, Holy Spirit, that you begin to open up the eyes of their understanding so that you get rid of those things that clog, that in any way pollute and defile their perspective of who you are and their perception of who you are. I thank you that people are moving into truth right now. And as they walk into that truth, I want to thank you that that truth gets established on the inside of them. I want to thank you that that truth begins to inform the way that they think, the way that they feel, and begins to give them an introduction to newness of life. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're on all flesh. And I want to thank you that everywhere we go as believers, I want to thank you that we can rely and trust on the fact that every time we take in kingdom truths, any time we take good news and we're introducing it into environments, into people, into circumstances and situations, I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are there to honor it and you're there to bring about change and transformation. I thank you for the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. I thank you that we can stand here established and grounded in you, Father. I thank you that you're good all of the time. We bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.